0: Okay,
1: recording. One, two, three, four.
0: My gal's a firecracker, sweet like a clementine. Takes a while to unpack her, but boy, I'm glad she's mine. My gal can't help but thrill me, she's a special kind of fun. But lord, I think she'll kill me before this song is all right yep we're good to go never good morning or afternoon or evening or 3am whenever you're listening to this you degenerates welcome to the beehive we're two queen bees that's me beth levine and me beatrice davies take you on
1: a journey of discovery through pop culture art music literature film television science pornography internet memes basically whatever tickles our fancy to talk about so beth what's on
0: the docket today Well, Beatrice, we've got a few things lined up. Of course, we're going to be talking about a very interesting book series. Would you call it a book series? On some level. In some universe. And on the coffee break, we're going to be taking a trip to the ancient Hellenic world. But first, getting naked from money. Oh. What? Did we talk about this? Woo! Moon, hush your
1: pervert mouth. Never. Never. Listeners, that's our producer. Nominal producer. Tyler Moon. Moon!
0: Hello,
1: ladies. Tyler is the reason um, we get to record in this lovely basement.
0: My uncle owns it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uncle Clive. Hey, Moon, you know why your uncle's so hot? No, Beth. I do not know why my uncle is so hot. It's that English accent. He's well fit in it. Ugh. So, back to the topic at hand. Titties. Basically. Now, I have gotten naked for money. Beatrice? I have not. Why not? I bet you get dudes to pay to look at them titties, or like, buy stuff on an Amazon wishlist for you.
1: Yes, but I'm more than just a set of breasts,
0: Tyler. Oh my god, are you saying that professional naked girls are just a set of breasts?
1: I mean, if you have other options besides taking your
0: clothes off, why wouldn't you? I mean, do something else. Because if you have an asset that can make you good money and you're comfortable with it, why not? There's nothing wrong with it.
1: I disagree. I feel that if you're going to expose yourself, you could at least choose to make it artistic. I mean, there's a reason why burlesque exists. It's just classy
0: nudity. Okay, I hang out with burlesquers, but I also hang out with strippers. You know the really, the only real difference is strippers make money. And there
1: lies my issue. Stripping is only about the money. Burlesque, there's more to it. It's the artistry. Look at the power, the strength in a burlesque dancer. Uh, It's it's athletic. They're being physical and they're taking off their clothes, yes, but there is more to it than what just meets the eye. They're celebrating their body's ability. Stripping is just taking your clothes off for money. You're
0: kidding, right? Have you seen a pole dancer? They're incredibly athletic and artistic. They're basically gymnasts. And here's the thing about money. I mean, okay, I could get into this big tangent about privilege and how artistry doesn't pay the rent, but besides that, say we all have our rent and groceries paid, and it really just comes down to, would I rather make money or express myself artistically? Well, here's the thing. Money can actually motivate good art because you can't be self-indulgent when you're trying to reach an audience and communicate with them. And even if that communication's just stick a dollar bill in my thong, you are trying to communicate. And that makes for a better performance more than just somebody who's getting on stage to stroke her own self-esteem. Which, okay, you know, my friends who do burlesque are really talented performers, but I see a lot of crappy amateur burlesquers who are just like, well... Moon, you remember that show in Baltimore the other week where you had girls doing the exact same thing, just slowly grapevining back and forth across the stage for four minutes? Like, did your dick get hard watching that? No, it did not. Tyler's penis is the arbiter of great art, is it? Yes, it is. I'm just saying there's nothing shameful about stripping any more than there is in being a street busker trying to get people to put money in your guitar case. We all gotta eat. Well, then, would you do it?
1: Would you go and strip?
0: Woo! Woo! Well, I wouldn't. Why not, then, if it's such an important thing? Because I didn't have the patience or the emotional intelligence to be a waitress, and I definitely don't have enough to be a stripper. I am way too mean. Some guys like that, just saying. Thank you, Moon, for that insight. You should be nice to Tyler. But I can't, you see? I can't be nice to people who get on my nerves. That's why I couldn't be a stripper. Tyler, it's...
1: What are you doing, Tyler? Nothing. Well... What do you say, Beth? Should we just move on to our main topic? I would enjoy that.
0: All right. You guys know about self-published Kindle books, right? Kindle Direct Publishing. Anyone can put out their own ebook. Now, some authors become pretty successful at it, mainly people who sell really weird niche erotica, like incest mind control stories. Or dinosaurs. And yeah, can we pull up some of those titles? Oh no. You brought it up.
1: I regret it. Okay. Taken by the T-Rex, Psychic Raptors in Lust, Fifty Shades of Paleontology. Oh god, can I please stop?
0: I guess. Now listeners, we're not here today to talk about Helicopter Man Pounds Dinosaur Billionaire Ass, a novel. Thank you, Lord. No, today we're actually talking about a bunch of ebooks that aren't erotica at all. Now, Beatrice, how did you come across these? Actually,
1: I didn't realize they were self published at first. Usually I don't read that kind of thing. The quality is so hit and miss, but I came across the first book when I was browsing the Kindle store and it sounded interesting. What was it? Well, the first one was called Chrissy's World, and it's by someone called Margot McGinty. It's about this teenage girl Chrissy growing up in New Jersey during the Great Depression. It's really kind of a fun... The story is really simple, just some teenage drama about Chrissy and her best friend Tabby feuding over a boy.
0: Like you ladies fight over me.
1: Ugh, Moon, shut the fuck up! Anywho, it all gets resolved at prom. Now, this threw me off. They had prom in the 30s? Oh, yes. The history of the prom is actually quite interesting. You see... The promenade actually started off as a reaction to the debutante balls that wealthier parents would have for their kids back in the day. Oh, um, neat. Yeah, yeah. So, um, middle class parents, sort of seeing something that they wanted to have their kids do, because, you know, the whole keeping up with the Joneses idea, uh-huh. they started organizing these promenades as a way to first for their own kids to be able to mark these events for themselves. And uh, over time, these proms became what is our modern prom. You could almost say that the modern prom today was the anti prom. For the debutante
0: balls. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, now, in the book, uh, it is uh, kind of one of that the early version where it's just a dinner with a little bit of dance. Yeah, exactly. So there would be a formal dinner followed by very structured
1: dancing along with it. Um, so that's for what it was like in the book. At the end, the boy Christy and Tabby were fighting over shows up to prom with another girl, so they dance together instead. Aw. Okay. I'm going to ignore that, Tyler. Now, there's a little author's note at the end explaining that Chrissy was Margot McGinty's grandmother and that everything in the book really happened. Margot wrote these books to remember all the stories her grandmother told her.
0: Ah, that's cool, I have to say. So... Like we said, it's a series. There are four other books. Chrissy's World and what's the next one? Chrissy the Factory Girl? Um,
1: yeah, that one is set just after America has entered World War II. And Chrissy has gone to work at an airplane factory. What was it called? Hudson Burton? Hudson Bergen, like the
0: light rail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hudson Bergen Aeronautics. And the next one's called Chrissy's Soldier. We're going to come back to that one. Yep. And then there's Chrissy the Bride and Chrissy's Baby. So, Beatrice, how would you describe the tone of this series generally? You know,
1: it's very light, optimistic, family-friendly. It's like those Betsy and Tacy books that we had to read back in grade school.
0: Yeah, exactly. So even though the first book is set in the Great Depression, it never really gets dark. They have to be thrifty, but uh, nobody goes hungry. There's no danger of Chrissy's family losing their house. And then when the war starts, it's very, you know, stars and stripes, hooray for our boys. I don't think anybody dies.
1: I'm going to read a little bit from Chrissy the Factory Girl to give our audience a better idea. Okay, great. All right. Annabel came bursting in, waving the letter. It's from Dick. He's written to me from England. Dick was Annabel's sweetheart, and she hadn't seen him since he left for the army three months before. He said, England is swell, but I don't have anything to worry about because the girls there aren't nearly as pretty as us American gals. Annabel laughed mischievously, showing off the dimples in her pink cheeks. That just gives you an idea of the tone. Nobody's sweetheart dies, nothing really bad happens at all. Then there's the third book, Chrissy's Soldier. Her sweetheart Danny is coming home, and she spends the first half of the book getting ready for his arrival, planning a big homecoming celebration. Hey Beatrice, I think it's that time. Time to snuggle up to our favorite fella?
0: Me?
1: No, Joe. As in hot cup of. Coffee
0: Coffee break!
1: good to go. Okay. And now
0: listeners, it's time for our coffee break. Did you know that Alexander the Great was only 5'2"? Really? Yep. That's my height. I would have been super tall for a woman back then. I would have been an Amazon, but with two titties. What? You know, because Amazons only had one boob each. How tall are you again, Beatrice? Uh, 5'7". Right. You would be a super giantess, like queen of the Amazons, and you've got more boob than me, so between us we'd be like legendary. Wouldn't the boobs be a disadvantage, though? I thought they were moved abreast to be better at archery. But what if we had guns? Um, actually, he wasn't 5'2". What's that, Moon? Alexander the Great wasn't 5'2". That's a myth. People thought that because of some armor that actually belonged to his wife.
1: Nerd! Fuck off, Moon! We stand corrected, I guess. Uh, thank you, Tyler.
0: No problem. <laughs> So, we were talking about Chrissy's Soldier. Right. It's the third book in our little pentology. Pentology, that sounds epic. Uh, We should mention that none of these books is longer than 10,000 words. They're really more like good-sized short stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, the first half of Chrissy's Soldier is all about Chrissy
1: getting ready for Danny's homecoming. It's the same tonality as the first two books... Chrissy's running around town, recruiting people to make Welcome Home banners, making Danny's favorite foods, greeting him with baby goats. Baby goats? I forgot that part. It was really cute. But, so then Danny comes home, and that's when the tone shifts.
0: Not just the events of the story, but the story itself. I mean, Beth, do you want to talk a little bit about Okay, so... Danny comes home and reacts badly to his surprise party, which is actually very realistic. When my brother got back from Iraq, he said, I have been living in a tent with five other guys for 12 months. All I want is to take a long hot shower and then sit in my room alone playing video games for about four days. He didn't want to deal with a bunch of people. Well... Chrissy is pretty upset that Danny doesn't appreciate her surprise, so um, she decides to cheer him up by cooking him a nice homemade meal and having a nice quiet dinner at home, just the two of them. And she lives in a kind of boarding house at this point and has her own apartment, right? So here's this... Yeah. Okay, so here's this passage. It's your favorite lemon pepper chicken, Chrissy said. The pressure behind her eyes mounted, making her feel as though someone were pressing on them from inside her head. Danny didn't respond. He stared down at his plate, not showing the faintest hint of appetite or interest. Through the thin walls, Chrissy could hear the faint sounds of her neighbors, the other residents of the house, engaging in bestial romping. I'm not kidding, guys. It says bestial romping. Anyway, in another apartment, the old couple were fighting, screaming insults and accusations that the floorboards uh, mercifully muffled. Chrissy shivered, wondering if she were hearing the ghosts of her own future. Her Danny was nowhere to be seen, only this husk of a man ignoring his lemon pepper chicken. Alright, so we're already seeing the tone change drastically, but that's not even where it gets really weird. Let me explain. No, that'll take too long. Okay, let me sum up. Okay, so, uh, Chris's fiance, who is clearly shell-shocked, gets spooked by a loud noise, one of her neighbors breaking a plate on the wall, and he attacks her, putting his hands on her throat. She fights him off by slashing his arm with the knife that she'd used to carve the chicken and runs off into the night. It gets very surreal at this point. The town Chrissy lives in is
1: fictional, but it seems basically the equivalent to Summit or Edison, New Jersey. Just a quiet little town, not much going on. But somehow, without getting on a train, Chrissy ends up in a big city by the river. She's down at the docks, and she runs into a group of, um... Rent boys. I guess that's the term. Young men looking to sell sexual favors to sailors and dock workers.
0: So she kind of makes friends with them, and they take her back to their, uh, brothel? Where she meets some. uh... Beth, I really don't want to talk about this part. Okay, I've got you. I'm not sure if you should either. Just... I'll tell you what, I'll say it, and we can just remove anything we feel is necessary later, okay? Okay. So, Chrissy ends up in the <coughs> where she's given a hefty dose of <coughs> and ends up passing out under her with a on her when she wakes up she finds the attached to her and has to get one of to detach it so of course she flees right after that and then we have this almost hallucinatory sequence burroughs esque reminds me of naked lunch or maybe something out of howl you know the ginsberg poem yeah just Wandering around barefoot and blazed out of her gourd, one tit out, just just a mess. And she's seeing angels and devils and hears singing in all different languages and huge trees growing up out of the concrete and exotic animals. And it's not clear if this is supposed to be a dream sequence or a drug trip or what. But um, but the writing gets very joicy in at this point too. Very little punctuation, haphazard grammar, and then she has. Would you call it a sexual encounter? That's exactly what it is. She has what seems to be a very enjoyable sexual encounter with a strange man in a doorway. And it describes her having an orgasm, um... Like it never was with Danny. The lights exploding behind her eyes. Her body flooding with the waters of the Ganges. And keep in mind, this is supposedly someone writing about her grandma, okay? Anyway, she c- And then the guy puts a knife to her throat and is about to kill her... But she inserts her into his until it actually his to the point that we may need to cut that out. She gets away, let's say that. And somehow makes her way back home. Just as the sun is coming up. Always seems to be the case in these stories. Hell, real life too. I've had a few nights like that like that. Well So Christy gets home and finds the door to her apartment ajar. She goes in and calls for Danny. No response. And then she finds him dead dead Guess, but not just dead gutted like a fish on the floor murdered presumably now if you'll recall chrissy slashed his arm to get away but what happened after that
1: good question we never find out because this is the really weird thing you didn't think that was the weird thing well yeah but i mean that was weird but overall i mean this is the thing that after all this the book just ends and then there's another one, Chrissy the Bride, picking up right when Danny gets home. He's alive, he's healthy, and he and Chrissy get married and live happily ever after. Of course they have a baby in Chrissy's baby, and supposedly that's Margot McGinty's mother. Margot McGinty is the author? Yeah, and so the tone goes back to normal. Everything goes back to normal. It's like the second half of Chrissy soldier never existed. Some
0: metadata notes here. The eBooks are all definitely by the same author, and these five are the only ones listed under that author's name. And they all have the same publication date, October 12th last year. So what's going on here? Right, like, who is Margot McGinty?
1: And more to the point, what is up with Chrissy Soldier? Is it a literary choice, or
0: did she have some kind of breakdown? And if it was a breakdown, did she get better and then write the last two books? And why would she leave it and publish it like that? mysteries mysteries so i guess we'll leave it at that and now is that time in our podcast when we offer up our thoughts of the day beatrice what is your thought of the day my
1: thought of the day beth is that it is much easier to tear something down than it is to build something up Anyone can just sit there and pick away at someone else's creation, but to actually create, to put yourself out there and to build something, it is a lot harder.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, my thought of the day is that, you know how everyone likes to say size doesn't matter or if it does, girth is more important than length? To a degree that's true physically, but you know what's really important? Personality. And men with big dicks are better people. Moon, agree? Disagree? Yes, that's true. I'm better people. So there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Beehive Podcast, and good night. Toodles.